Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and how nice that on tonight's podcast we're going to be discussing a routine home victory. (laughs) It's like we're back in 1718 again and it's absolutely glorious. Hope you're all good. Loads to discuss in tonight's podcast and I'm joined first of all by the eye in the sky, Jack Collins. Hello listeners. Uh, The content king, Farrell Monk. Hello. And he knows his ex-lefts from his ex-rights, it's Nick McNee. Hello. How are we all doing? Good, thanks. Yeah. It's uh, a bizarre scenario that we are just talking positively about Fulham, but someone's got to do it, and, and that <laughs> shall be us. Um, let's get into some three-word reviews. Jack, I can't remember the last time that me, you, and you were on a podcast, normal yeah, podcast like this, this, where you're just where you were doing three-word reviews, secretarial work. It feels good to be back in my rightful spot, you know, right hand and, and all that. Well, so, there were some good three-word reviews. So, yes. what what can you um, what can you give us? So Rick Cardis with Arteries, Lavish Lifeblood, which wow. was very Ooh, clever. Uh, Luca Lely with my personal favourite, Thanks Scott's Sister. <laughs> Sophie Johnson's Art of This World. Jack and Laws, Blackburn Baby Burn. Colm Bugler with Kenny the Firestarter. Bridget Bamber's Supercalifragilisticexpariata. Um, oh, which was very well very done. Very well done. But my, yeah, I think... You know, one for the record book. Simon Coop, Freddie, lucky mascot. Yeah, it was so good to see yeah. uh, for little Freddie out there. The amount of pace that Freddie displayed from the centre circle to the edge of the pitch was absolutely incredible. I've never seen anyone run that fast on the Craven Cottage pitch, including Abubakar Kamara. Including so, Anthony Knockhart, because he, he was pretty fast honestly, on Saturday. Honestly, Freddie, the pace. We've got a 100-metre sprinter in the ranks, I reckon. Good there stuff. Can't wait to see him in about 15 years' time donning a white shirt on his debut. Um... Farrell, I'll start with you. Um, it was a brilliant, brilliant win. I wouldn't say it was a perfect performance by any stretch of the imagination. But I was thinking this morning, when was the last meaningful Fulham win? Because we won three games once we were relegated, but you definitely can't call them meaningful. Then it goes back to Brighton, which is the 29th of January, which is the last time that Fulham won a game which had some meaning. But you could argue, and some people definitely argue, that Fulham were all but relegated maybe after Burnley away, which was before the Brighton game. So this might be our first meaningful win of 2019, which is very, very depressing, but also very, very welcome. I'll take that. I'll take that all all day long because it took took me a long time to actually see a win this season. Uh, Sorry, this, this 2019. So I'll take the fact that I was there on Saturday to witness a meaningful win in 2019. And it was, I wouldn't say it was brilliant. I think brilliant's a bit of a a strong, I think it was a controlled performance. Yeah. I think that although we returned to sort of like a structured attacking football that we are kind of used to in the last couple of years under Slavisa, um, it was a bit more sort of restrained in that way because... You know, in the past, we've seen as a as a as a back four, we would have the fullbacks bombing on quite considerably. But in this, we never saw, we hardly ever saw Brian um, or Adoy get past the halfway line that much. And if if they did, they only they probably went past halfway line maybe like five or six times, maybe overall. Um, and it was left to the sort of like knockhart and cavaliero to really hug the touchline to try and stretch their back four which worked sometimes but i would say it just meant that we weren't as open to the blackburn counter-attack when when it occurred although there were opportunities for blackburn on the counter a, a few times they just didn't make it count well some of their best opportunities probably their best came in the opening 20 seconds nick i barely sat down and i was fully expecting the net to ripple i think it was sam gallagher who, who missed the header at the back post um they were a little bit wasteful blackburn and, and a better team would have punished us but i guess it's it's we can expect that Fulham were going to be nervy after what happened on the opening weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think this has been something that's going back the past seven months. You know, the team's been playing under a lot of pressure and not performing well. So it's nice to kind of weather a storm and see a reliable back line for once. I mean, Brian did get caught out a lot, but I think this is where uh, the return of Tim Ream was really vital because he's really? such a good positional centre-back. Like, is just, you know, being able to clear and head away all these all the balls and 
I think he did a great job along with more sort of marking Sam Gallagher. We Fulham were nervous in the opening 20 minutes, that's true. But at the same time, you have to consider, hey, the, the team looks so much better defensively than we have before under, uh, you know, the likes of Slav and Claudio. Yeah, indeed. And Jack, it was it was Tom Kearney's Perler who, who opened it for us. Great work from Harry Arter. He's who I want to talk about first because he made his debut on Saturday and it looked like he'd been playing us for, for time. It looked like he'd been in that side, was fully settled. He really added something in that centre of midfield. And, and I hate to say it, but I would rather see him than, than Kevin McDonald going forward now, which is such a shame, but, you know, needs must. He's... A seasoned professional, I think, is something that a lot of people forget. You know, there was a lot of chat about whether Arta was good enough, whether he was finished, whether his legs gone. I think you look at his age and his kind of personal profile in terms of as an athlete, and he was always going to add legs to the middle, a little bit of snap and bite. And he's also quite good at football he passes the ball well he keeps ball his ball retention rates are quite good and yes his statistics when he's when he signed weren't brilliant but he was also playing in a you know very very negative Cardiff side and before that struggled to get minutes in what is actually quite a nice Bournemouth midfield now and and you look at that as yes it's a negative but also Bournemouth are good and in the Premier League and Fulham are in the mm. Championship so yeah a player that isn't quite good enough to Bournemouth is, is almost certainly going to be good enough for Fulham he was a bit part player there played most of Cardiff's campaign and they you know, came quite close to staying up in the end uh, in the Premier League and I think that when we signed Arthur there was a lot of nepotism is this just because he's Scott Parker's brother-in-law all of these things but he's it's shown not, it's he's shown not, quite quickly yeah. why why Scott wanted him mm. why he's going to be able to fit into this team and also why we needed someone we needed someone in there who had experience and legs and there are actually not that many of those players going and available yeah. on, in, a, in this kind of market so to get him on on a loan um, with an option to buy I think gives us different options in there and I think with him and Reed going forward Fulham are going to we, we probably won't see that much of Kevin McDonald. well it, it also um, I don't mind them keeping it in the family because that's what Fulham all seem to be all about you know we've got the Khans, we've had the Sessegnons and now we've got the, the Parker in laws. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we have the monks making up most of the middle blocks of the Johnny Haynes stand. <laughs> exactly, exactly. How so. many are you of the, are you in the monk family in the Johnny Haynes? Uh, we've got seven season tickets or eight. Eight season tickets. We've just added. Um, my sister has now brought her two sons now along, six and six and four. Do you get some sort of family discount after a certain amount of family members? We should do, actually. We should get some sort of economies of scale. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe we can. Maybe they can stop the stop the greed stuff. If they maybe, give us a lovely discount. Maybe when you get to ten, you get like a letter from from the Khans or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, it's like when you get to a hundred. Yeah, and you get a letter from the Queen. Signed photograph of the Khans. <laughs> um, but it was an absolute banger uh, from from Tom Kearney. It's just, and I said this in the little reaction video I did on Instagram after the game. It's mad to think Tom. Kearney and he only scored once last mm. season and that he didn't really create an awful lot either because the obvious skill is there. I mean, no matter who's in goal, no matter who's in defence, being able to just pluck a shot out like that from 25 yards and you knew it was coming. It wasn't a shock. It wasn't Papa Booba Diop like, oh wow, I wasn't expecting that. It was... Yeah, he's got space, he's got time. If he isn't going to score, he's going to either do hit the bar or really, really test the keeper here, and, and it flew straight into the top corner. Well, you've just pretty much summed up my answer there. This is Tom Kearney doing what Tom Kearney has done quite regularly in the, well, in the season before last and the one before that. He scores, well, you know, worldies. Um, a bit of note to Arta. I think Arta doesn't get, a, you know, it's a minor point to the goal, obviously, but you can see in the build-up to the goal, before he gets the ball, he has a quick look to see where Tom Kearney is, sees that he's got a little bit of space and draws that midfielder out to then do a Parker-esque pirouette to play the ball to, to Kearney into, a, into acres of space. And, you know, if I was Tony Mowbray, I'd be, you know, hammering his midfield for getting drawn out and leaving Tom Kearney with so much time and space to hit the postage stamp area. So, and it was, it was a brilliant goal from Tom Kearney. He's our talisman. I've got to say that, Tom, it wasn't his best performance. He didn't seem hugely positive on the ball so much um it's what was quite surprising about his positional play was that he was a bit more restrained in his role I kind of thought that Johansson would play sort of well Johansson and Tom Kearney would be a bit more um interchangeable in that in that uh center mid but they seem to be playing 
you know, the two just behind Mitrovic, one left and one right. There weren't really, Johansson wasn't really popping up on the left. Kearney wasn't really popping up on the right too much. It was only in sort of like little bits here and there. But it obviously worked for Tom Kearney because he was able to pick that ball out and find the top corner. That's something that, you know, we've seen from him. He's been so restrained, I think, Kearney. And, and you look at that period under Ranieri as a massive negative phase in, in Kearney's development, I think. He wasn't comfortable in that system. He was farmed out left and right to try and get different things out of him that he's not comfortable doing. He's always been best as, you know, a 10 or at least a 3-8, you know, in a kind of three. Yeah. And and if you don't have that kind of freedom with him, he, he really struggles. The only time we saw him play really well under Ranieri was when he played a one off Mitrovic against Leicester mm. with four behind him because it gave him that kind of same freedom. And I think that... As we get further and further into it and as we he comes more and more naturally back to his kind of heartland position, we'll see him try and pick those kind of shots out more. We'll try and see him try and pick out those passes more because he feels like the confidence will will come back to kind of do that kind of thing. And and that's so crucial because he's been so restrained within systems to try and make Fulham more defensively sound that he has to kind of basically forget all that again and just look to create. And it's not easy to switch from one to the other. But it's almost perfect in a way because scouts will watch Tom Kearney this week and they'll be desperate to close him down which is great because actually it allows suddenly Kearney a lot more options to to find teammates if he can't shoot because they're so desperate to close down his shot and even under Slavisa sometimes you got the impression that he was being coached to not shoot as much and and it frustrated me because well look what he can do it's it's evident he's done it against Newcastle he's done it against Leeds twice uh, and now he's stuck in the postage stamp uh, against Blackburn Nick what did you make of, of Fulham's system it was a pretty traditional 4-3-3 you had Knockart and Cavalero getting chalk on their boots down the wings it's it looked like a system that um it's just taken a bit of getting used to by the players but I can see it working really well in time yeah I think it's a yeah as you said perfectly it's a system that's going to take to get used to over time the fullbacks aren't getting us forward as much I think as um Farrell said uh, the left back and right back, um, whoever they will be in the future, probably Brian and Steven Session, they're not going to push much forward up, up the halfway line. It was quite rare that we saw for a Mitrovic's goal that Brian pushed forward so highly, yeah. and I think that caught the Blackburn defence. Is that so, a good thing? I think so. Like it, it, it well, in that it up, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, you know, as you quite rightly say, it actually caught the Blackburn defenders off guard. He he does sort of like react to the fact that there's a yeah. tiny bit of space behind the the winger and just nips in ahead of it. It's almost a Leighton Baines-esque underlap in many regards. And I think that's probably what Scott's trying to get at in that if you've got wingers who are touchline wingers, you're going to look for your fullbacks to kind of invert and cut inside a little bit more and try and play those interior passes. Mm. And Joe Bryan has shown that he's good at that. Uh, in time, we'll see who takes up the, the right fullback mantle permanently. But you can imagine that that's what they will be coached to do. And given that Dennis Adoy started his career on the left and yeah. has now started, yeah. you know, reverted to right, being a right footer, you can imagine that kind of an underlap and a natural cutting instinct, inside instinct should be prevalent there as well. Well, it was a bit odd to see occasionally Knockhart would have the ball and you'd be going, go on, Dennis, get round him. But that's just not the kind of football that we're going to play anymore. And I guess as fans, that'll take a bit of time of getting used to because we're so used to... Uh, Fredericks and to a slightly lesser extent Christie playing that game well we don't really have you know Dennis Adoy hasn't exactly got the pace of you know Ryan Fredericks no. so he can't really afford to be caught out on the counter by Blackburn or whoever we play on Friday Huddersfield yeah. I think it is yeah so, and there'll be a much faster team than yeah. um, with Mapenza and Diacabi on the uh, left and right side so I think I think there's a much more cautionary ap- approach to Fulham but it's understandable because after all we did have the league's worst defence in the Premier League in about five years, ten years maybe. So yeah. you can understand Scott wanting to, it to play a, a little bit safer because if we do get promoted, then we're all comfortable in a system for the Premier League. We've got the players, you know, we've got all these players of options to buy as well. We've got a squad who are built into the system and know what it's all about. What did you make of um, Reem and Mawson, Farrell? I thought that Reem was back to his absolute best. Mawson, I'm undecided over had a couple of shaky moments the wind was a real factor mm. and whenever the ball went into the air no one knew where on earth it was it was gonna bounce and then that sometimes played into a few dodgy passes at the back as well where they just didn't quite come off the boot as expected it was a, it was a tad nervous some of the passing 
out the back though and it, and it was it was inches away from from going wrong on numerous occasions yeah it was lovely to see Sergio Ramos back in back in the white starting 11 <laughs> and so um it was Jack's face <laughs> right now it is it, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, Sergio, Re- Ser- Sergio Ramos goes to bed with a Tim Ream shirt on, obviously. Sergio Ramos isn't good at defending. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. But um, Tim Ream, I, I loved seeing him back in. He was he was back to his best. Uh, obviously, it's a different league now, and he's certainly used to it. And yeah, and he's just so positive in the tackle. The amount of times like Sam Gallagher didn't know where he was when the ball was coming towards him and he was able to nip ahead of him. It was great. Um, alongside him, Mawson, he's got undoubted quality and he read the game very well. There was a couple of uh, times where the ball was floating up in the air, as you quite rightly says, and he wasn't coming towards it. And there was a bit of nervousness from his game that kind of unsettled everyone around him and unsettled the rest of the team, I thought. But as the game grew on, and Fulham grew, and Alfie Mawson grew, the, the team grew as well with him. And I think that the Ree-Mawson partnership is something I'm looking forward to seeing. There was a bit of an odd moment in the second half where I think it was either Danny Graham or, or Sam Gallagher and the ball kind of got played over the top and, and Sam Gallagher was in and Bettinelli produced a real wonder save. Oh, it was Dak. Oh, was it Dak? Yeah. It was offside. Uh, but... Tim Re- it wasn't miles offside and then Tim Ream and Alfie Mawson proceeded to do a high five and I was a bit like alright lads I mean yes it was offside and I imagine you man- you held your line well but it was a, a little bit of a a, bit close, a, a little bit yeah. close comfort moment to be uh, doing a high five the other moment of the game um, that I absolutely loved was, was Mitro's header on the <laughs> Blackburn left back's knee Elliot uh, Bennett yeah, that looked really nasty. It, it does. I, yeah, thought, yeah. I, I thought he tore. I like, thought he'd gone his ACL. I, I thought, thought his ACL was gone. Yeah, I thought he'd done like a, as Denet Grigora almost. Like, yeah, he was, guy was down for about like a solid four minutes. It's kind of reminiscent what I'm like trying to fight my way to a bar when it's like one minute to the end of happy hour. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> get the tequila shots in. Um, it was it was a great moment. I don't get me wrong. It's it's great, but I was did like, if that had been done to one of our players, we'd be furious. Yeah. We'd be absolutely fuming if someone tried to headbutt. Joe Bryan's knee. Yeah, but there's fo- <laughs> football's full of moments that you'd be fuming if it happens to your team, but because it doesn't, you're absolutely fine with it. All of the shithousery moments that Steph Joe's ever done that we've celebrated, yeah. oh, you'd yeah, be furious if that happens to you. I like mean, Harry should... Arter's leave it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Harry Arter's yeah. leave it moment is yeah. one of those, and you're like, Ooh, I fairness, really, really hate that if that was us. <laughs> in fairness, I think we're all glad that you know everyone's safe and healthy, and there's yeah. no you know stretches yeah. being used or anything. I think well, the, the, the two moment. players. It, 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 um, had probably meant that none of them were injured because obviously Elliot Bennett and Mitrovic are built like yeah you know brick shit houses. Um, so you know if it was someone like Joe Bryan, yeah Joe <laughs> Bryan, it might not have come off so well. Um, but yeah, it was obviously it was a good performance. There was a few nervy moments where Blackburn got in. There was a Sam Gallagher header in the second half where he really, really should have done better. Mm-hmm. He had a free header at the back post and then he put it wide. There was also another Blackburn shot in the second half which kind of fizzed just past the post. But Joe Bryan pretty much sealed it off. Great run down the left. Um, I thought he was going to get given a penalty for a second. He kind of got barged over, but he stayed on his feet and then and then squared it for Mitro, who had a tap in. And then there's that excellent photo, which was taken on the reverse mm. um, uh, of Bobby, Mitro. Uh, Knockhart and Kearney. Knockhart and Kearney celebrating. Um, Knockhart's going crazy. He, his passion was was outstanding. He, he, and Mawson for the first yeah. goal. Yeah. I was going to say, that that's something, I mean, it's not clutching at straws but maybe it, it, we're making more of it than we need to but the celebrations of kind of relief I think from from Mawson and it's a bit like you said uh, earlier Farrell when you were like Mawson that kind of air of nervous energy that was mm. getting around other people like the kind of relief he must have felt like right we've come one in up we yeah. have something to celebrate let's yeah. kind of build from it and the same I suppose for Knockout is like we've killed that we've finally got three points those are great moments for a team like yeah. you know getting on the board getting you know your first goal of the season get your first win of the season all of those things and if they continue to show those kind of you know reactions and and that's how you build a squad right there's the the moments that make things happen so you can understand it i think maybe we don't want to blow it miles mm. out of proportion but yes absolutely that kind of 
happiness to be at the club seems to be a little bit back again and that's a good thing in any case yeah and the one thing about Knockhart which I find quite amusing is the amount of times he talks to himself when he he has a shot and it's just gone wide or he hasn't done something quite so well he's obviously like shouting at himself outwardly and I'm like oh, okay give it all right you don't need to shout he, yourself too he, much he was electric on on Saturday and Ivan Cavallero by contrast didn't really properly get into the game he had a few chances to a stutter shall we say yeah Yeah. a few times in the first half he tried the old kick and run past and I was like okay even you're back in the championship it's not quite the quality of the Premier League but kick and run isn't gonna always beat the fullback but but knockout was electric every time he was looking to do that cutting on his left and bang it top bins he's obviously just desperate to get a first goal uh, for himself let's talk about the other debutants because we did see Harrison Reed and Bobby Reed uh, make their first appearances Um, cries of Ginger Iniesta uh, when Harrison Reed came on from the Hammersmith then looks solid um, and unspectacular debut but he looks like a good option in the middle particularly um to deputize for harry arter if ever he's injured or whatnot i think he's going to deputize for stefan johansson i think that's the one who you'll come and you know replace some games and steph will start yep. some others so i think it's good and the same for harry arter for kevin mcdonald so i think you know if you include i guess it's a bit of a stretch but josh onima for kenny but that that's not going to happen but it's good that well, we all have in indiv- kenny's knees are actually made out of weetabigs yeah yeah but it's good to have like individual, you know, replacements for, for each midfield of the, you yeah. know, the three of the midfield. So I'd be surprised if if Kenny gets injured, and I pray to God he doesn't, because I mm. do love the man, and I would love to see him complete a full season injury free. I would imagine it might be Knockout that comes into the mm, middle, really? um, just because he has that kind of creative impetus and creative spark to get the ball forward and, and kind of kick on. I, I mean, look, his, this is all by the by until <sighs> something happens. So maybe it's a bit wrong, but. Weirdly, I think Harrison Reed is the more natural number six out of him and Arta. I think Arta's more of a natural eight um, that, than Reed is. I think he can deputise there completely, but I think that given what Harrison Reed did both at Norwich and at Blackburn, um, where he sort of filled in at right back, centre midfield, and, and he was often the deepest of the three, I think something that's interesting is that if Scott's going to play with what they call in Italy a regista um, who takes the ball from the bottom of the base and basically looks to distribute then Harry Arter's the better option but if they're going to play with a destroyer kind of six but I'd imagine that Arter and Reed might be a pivot that we see a bit more of than we initially expected because it allows us to do both and in the kind of you know very much a not the same level but Mm. the kind of Jorginho Kante Mm -hmm pairing and why that was good was because you have a destroyer in there as an eight and then Jorginho sat and distributed and I think we could see something similar from Arthur and Reed along the lay. I think that um, where what will probably be closer to reality in my opinion is uh, what we saw when Bobby Reed first came on and played as kind of like a second striker alongside an attacking mid of Tom Kearney um, and obviously that was changed when Cavalera went off for, for, for Harrison Reed. Um and I did like the performance Harrison Reed because one thing he did do that did do more than what um, Harry Arter was doing. He was trying to be very positive on the ball a lot more than Harry Arter was. Um, it did like the first three passes he did were not very good, but it was like not for the want of trying. Like they're all like the right ideas. Um, and then after like this first after those initial ones, it did it did come off really really well for him he was finding some very very decent incisive passes after that I like Reed because he offers us legs like a lot of legs in midfield he will not stop running and a Southampton fan messaged me don't you know I don't follow him he doesn't follow me decided to message me on Twitter being like you excited about Harrison Reed?" I was like yeah I mean <laughs> quite pleased he was like he will not stop running for you he will run himself into the ground he is the ginger and golo Kante and I was like alright mate like, <laughs> this, is, this is probably a bit much but Having someone with that kind of level of uh, athleticism and that kind of stamina will allow Fulham, against teams who try and employ a very, very low block on us, it will allow us to go 4-1-3-2. And it means that if Reed and Mitrovic are up top together in front of Kearney with two wingers, Harrison Reed can just screen. And especially if we're, if we're completely collecting the ball and just doing it, he will allow us to do that, which is nice because with any of our other midfielders, no one else has the legs to actually do that. Well, Kevin McDonald did do that exact job, uh, you know, last time out. But 
I think, unfortunately, it's think just Kevin he's just Kevin lost father time has caught up. To yeah, it's just lost a tiny bit of me- that Vegas trip yep. has, has done it for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all that time ago, it was always going to come back to haunt him. He's going to uh, come back and be a he's just going to be a permanent guest on the podcast eventually. Yeah, just, yeah, uh, yeah. We we squad guest. We've put in a we've put in a transfer request. offer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're yet to hear back from from Tony and Shade. They say they've been a bit busy in the last couple of weeks, but hopefully now the transfer window's open. So a swap left. deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sammy's going the other way. To <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Left midfield. They've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Um, and then Bobby Reed uh, came on. The, the probably most notable moment of Bobby Reed's game was somehow not scoring. I don't well. really understand. He got played through and he just ne- seemingly needed to pass it into the back of the net and it, it nearly went out for a Musa Sissoko style throw-in um, in the end. I think this is a bit of an That's a bit harsh. Yeah. 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 He pokes it wide of the post. Yeah. It was, it? It was yeah. on the, it was it on the half volley. Like it was going, the ball was going up on the I haven't volley. seen the highlights to be fair, but at the time <laughs> I seem to remember thinking like, how have you put it that far wide? It, I was, it wasn't um, a good effort, but it wasn't as bad as you yeah. out of it. All right, sorry, Bobby. I was sitting um, behind the put- in the Putney end, and it's actually a lot harder than it looks because the angle from the camera on the uh, what is now known as the FFC TV makes it look quite simple, just to hit it in, but he basically had to hit it on the half volley, which is... Well, oh, okay. harder than I'll get, okay. I'll, I'll, harder than hitting. I'll retract ground, my statement from where I was sat. Uh, Sammy hates Bobby Reed. He's yeah. the worst player ever. <laughs> Yeah. He likes Bobby Deck or Dover Reed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. From where I was sat in H6, it looked simple, but maybe it wasn't. Um, but other than that, I mean, he looked lively. He, on, and he should have, I don't think there's any debate. He should have done better with it. Oh, yeah, he should have scored. Like, it's, it's was literally not, about to interject It's just there. not as bad as you're making out oh, to okay. me. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Yeah, it's okay. He did, he, he did. I think he played... He's a very positive player, Bobby yeah. Reed. I think um, he's going to be really fun I to watch. I think he's going to be really yeah, good. I think... I, I do think his best position in this system would be playing off Mitrovic, but obviously that's not... I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, I think you'll see that kind of come in in games. If we have to chase yeah. a game, he might go to the you know four four two or three five two. God forbid possibly. if Mitrovic gets injured. Yeah, I he's going to score twice in the last seven minutes at QPR away. You heard it here first. <laughs> Bobby Reed grabbing two at the and sending the Fulham end into raptures, kissing the badge and then kissing Joe Bryan right on the lips in a six one nice. away win to Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Um, so moving on. What system, what players do we expect to see in the coming weeks? Because there was an element to Saturday's game that it was very, very soon for the debutants to be thrown straight into the mix. You now imagine they'll have had a little bit of time to bed in. Do you think maybe Huddersfield might be coming around a little bit too fast? But for those, you know, Millwall and Forest games, who do we expect to see coming in? Do we expect to see a bit of squad rotation? It almost seems essential given the amount of talent that we've got in the ranks. I'm interested to see at what point we see Josh Onoma first because he doesn't seem to be. Well, I'm, I'm interested fit. as opposed to excited. Fit oh, is the word you're looking for because he hasn't played you know a game of football for quite a long time. But more than that, like I don't really know where he fits unless Kearney's not there, and because he is best as a ten. I think we saw that mm-hmm. at Villa. I think he'll be more of like a you know the deep lying CM like Kearney yeah, kind I, of I has mean, taken. To. Okay, all right, but that Kearney role, shall we yeah, say? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But I, I think unless Kearney's not there, we're not going to see that much of Onoma. Maybe he comes on 10 minutes, 15 minutes when we're winning games comfortably. Maybe he comes, you know, just to save Kearney's legs a little bit. That kind of player. But I'd be really interested to see how Scott's going to use him. He spoke really highly of him. Yeah. I know that's important, making him feel welcome when you're part of a swap deal and all that kind of stuff. It It's important to make players feel like they are actually part of the plans rather than just you were offered to us, so we took it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, he does seem to rate him highly. There were people at Villa who rated him very highly when he actually played and when he played in a system that involved keeping the ball as opposed to what he'd been at before. Bruce so there ball. is talent. Well, there is talent there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think we've you know seen it harnessed that much. So I'm interested about that. But to answer your question, I think before too long, we'll be seeing a midfield three of Arta, Reed, and Kearney. Okay. Uh, uh, Harrison and, Harrison Reed, and yeah. uh, Steven Sessegnon. He'll be the start at right back. I think that's a sure thing. Well, that seemed to be one of the things from the Tony interview that people gleaned. And also, um, Jack spoke to uh, Stephen Sessegnon after the game. Jack Kelly, sorry, uh, randomly. Um, we'll come on too to... Too many similar names around. Our man yeah, on the ground, Jack Kelly. We'll, we will, read, read, Jack, Jack. <laughs> um, we will come on to the Tony Khan interview uh, in, in just a moment. But um, looking ahead to Huddersfield on Friday, we'll touch more on it on the Extra podcast. I feel Farrell just a lot more optimistic suddenly it was the perfect response 
to, to that Barnsley game. I think a few players just showed what they're capable of here and, and it feels like I'm enjoying watching Fulham again. It feels like it's the cusp of something something quite enjoyable. Whether we're going to win every game is is I don't think is going to be the case. I I, I, as, always, as long as we are just in sight of the top of the table for the first couple of months, I'm absolutely fine with that. I think the the one thing that we've got to take, um, especially from the last week, when we think back to the end of last season and we recorded a couple other podcasts about you know, the players that are going to be around and what's the most important thing for the summer. And I think we talked a lot a lot about we should, you know, apart from like the obvious people, is trying to keep a hold of, of the better players. You know, Kenny and Mitrovic. Um, and we haven't lost anyone else, really. That is, that's quite amazing. The fact that, you know, we kind of hoped that we would keep Anguisa, but, you know, that was... R.I.P. What, Big Frank. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> But it was at a stretch that we were going to keep him. Uh, we yeah. knew we were going to lose Seri and we knew we were going to lose Sessegnon. And apart from that, we kept all the players that we, we already have. And that's a really good squad that we have. So it's very, very positive in that respect. But there are, you know, if we look at Huddersfield on Friday, it might come down with a big bang. Because, you know, they haven't lost many players. They lost Philip Billing, who's obviously... A, and Aaron Moy. And Aaron Moy. That's basically their whole squad. It's a really strange transfer. He extended his contract and then went out on loan. And was like, I want to fulfil my dream of playing in the Premier League. We're like, why have you extended your contract? If you're not Huddersfield, the chances of them being back in the Premier League are slim. Yeah. It does kind of come to mind. He might have been on an expiring, so Huddersfield said, you can go on loan if you renew your contract. That's probably what the situation was. Um, Thomas Callas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, let's come on to the Tony Khan interview in a moment, but we'll take a quick break first. And also we've got a bag for your questions as well. Hello, Dom here. If you want an extra Fulham audio fix each week, check out the Fulham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio, which is every Wednesday from 9 to 10pm UK time. There's plenty of Fulham discussion and regular interviews with ex-players too. If you can't listen live, just search for Fulham Fan Show in your podcast app of your choice and get it on demand whenever you like. Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here with Farrell Monk. Oh, hello. Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Nick McNee. Hello. So it was the first weekend of the Premier League, which means fantasy football is back. Fantasy football is nowhere near as exciting when Fulham aren't in the same league. I'm not going to lie to you. But um, the Fulhamish League right. <laughs> Fulhamish League is, is still going. Uh, so I thought we could do a, a little quick update as to who is top of the Fulhamish League. Um, the updates will get less frequent as the season goes on and everyone loses interest, as is always the way with, with FPL. Um, yep. Jack, who is top of the Fulhamish League? Richard Evans with Kenny Kickett. 110 points for Richard Evans. 110? Absolutely nuts. He had uh, Nick Pope, obviously got a clean sheet. Dinchenko, Van Dyke, Walker Peters, Sterling, Salah, Origi, Kane and Rashford. Which is just pretty unbelievable. And Salah captain. So really, really good numbers. The person from Fulhamish who is doing best in the Fulhamish League is George Singer with 99 points. Of course he is. Captain Singer on top of the league. uh, Bottom of both the Fulhamish internal and external leagues is uh, one and only Farrell Monk with hello what's your name and a measly 47 points it's not gone well for you there Farrell is it <sighs> I, I particularly reveled in the fact that um, when I moved seats to sit with some of my other family during um, after half time was them all telling me how many points they were getting that week that was that was wonderful that's what I wanted to hear about all second half good Excellent. Right, Sammy, back to you. Well, the code to join, by the way, if you would like to put your team in the Fulhamish League, uh, all lowercase, GDMR6J is the code to join our league. There is... There's Rolls so, off the tongue, that one. Yeah, I don't, there's a stupid amount of people. There's over a thousand people in there. there. Well I, over a thousand. I, I think we are the biggest... Fulham League uh, I can't think of a bigger one so if you want to join it join at the end of the season the winner is going to get some Fulhamish clobber um, as we did Good last word. season yeah I know we haven't got any clobber to give away yet but hopefully by May we will uh, let's come on to this Tony Khan interview which just got dropped out of nowhere last night by Fulham the official website he did a 23 minute it's interview not as good as our one well it, your word's not mine um <laughs> He did a 23-minute interview with, with Sarah, who used to work at the club, who was back doing this interview. Um, there was a few interesting little nuggets in there fr- from Tony. Um, he's always a good speaker, as me and you 
found out um talked about you know scott getting everything he wanted about the loans and how it was all to do with ffp hence by why we had loans with options how the cess deal was agreed really really late and the lack of money coming in in time was the reason that we couldn't get michael hector or any other centre-back option in um farrell you watched it what was what was your thoughts on the interview did, did you think he came across well yeah i mean seen it before i mean my overarching thing looked like a pretty nice room that they were in recording um that was the overarching <laughs> thing podcast gold like everything you say i'm like jesus <laughs> get, far on, l- get far on joe rogan yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a lovely room yeah uh yeah i mean i think all the stuff that we we knew were kind of already out there in the sphere already um it's always nice to hear from the hierarchy and trying to be to be open about some of the dealings that they do i don't want them to be too open obviously because you know it's a competitive environment they they other people might want to exploit certain things here and there um yeah and um he obviously reaffirms his relationship with some of the players he talks about mitrovic um quite highly and uh, and whatnot um so you know it's always good to hear from them um yeah that's all that's all I gotta say. I thought the the bit about right backs and Steven Session was particularly interesting. I think that it was something we all kind of expected, but you know, to hear it put into words and actually vocalised it, it is something yeah. different and, and that's important. You know, the the fact that there's faith in Steven Session. I think interestingly it ties back a little bit with Nick's point earlier about the fullbacks not being as adventurous this year because Whereas Ryan from a three was a three, co- you know, three stroke eleven in that he used to try and get forward and round the winger as much as he could from left back. Stephen doesn't do that as much. He was a more of a a two come six in in many regards in terms of he plays centre back more than he would play right wing. Um, and so I think that ties in in that we will see more of Stephen Session because this system suits him far better in that the fullbacks aren't expected mm. to absolutely yeah. bomb on round their round their wingers as such. And and that's something that Stephen Session doesn't really do we've talked about this before in that they're not the same player on the other side you know this isn't Fabio and Raphael it's two players with distinctly different skill sets who just happen to be twins um but I do expect to see more of Steven Session and and that was reaffirmed by the interview and I think that overall everything that was said made sense you know it is I didn't know how deep we were in with FFP given parachute payments and and what was expended last year but it clearly is something that we're concerned about given that we've been burned by it before it's good that we're learning from those mistakes we've brought in players with championship experience which is something that people were genuinely asking for and I think on the whole it seems like a an interview you know like Tony said with us that he's trying to learn from the mistakes of the past and all of those things and and you look at things like the the Cessignon deal where you know, Tottenham tried to Tottenham tried to burn us at the very mm. end, and and we didn't let them. And that's got to be a good thing from a business perspective. We got what we wanted from that deal. We got what we could, mm. you know, given that he's in the last year of his contract. And and we took, you know, we stood up for what we needed. But what we it needed. meant that we got the hit because we couldn't get Michael Hector in, which was which was a lot of the point that Farrell, myself, and Ben raised on Thursday. It was an interesting email actually. I got straight after um our podcast that we did on Thursday, Ben from from Graham Widit, who went very in deep, um just making the point about how selling Seri and Angisa would not have allowed us would have actually lent us into more problems with FFP had we sold them because of the way that amortization of of contracts works and to be honest a lot of what he said was above my level I just took him at face value as that he it it was a sensible decision not to sell Serie A and Gisa but we both did agree that had we managed to get the Sessignon deal over the line sooner and maybe taking a bit of a hit it may have been beneficial long term in order that michael hector would have would have um would have come in but um thank you graham for sending in your message and 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 always feel free to message us if you listen to the podcast you disagree with something that we say and uh, quite a few people say i'm really sorry lads i love the podcast but i've just got as if as if it's going to offend Hmm. we we like hearing from you it's never we never take it as an offense unless you literally start swearing at us or something like that well we can take criticism well we're all Fulham fans for crying out loud yeah exactly um right well let's come on to some of the questions that we've got in jack uh today we took the questions via instagram stories as a little bit of a change um we had loads and loads and loads of uh good ones come in uh what have you got for us 
<laughs> one of my favorite things that came in was a guy was from Tuck Rule XP who just wrote ream not a question just a statement really thank you very much um, <laughs> I my agree friend, with that statement <laughs> yeah. my friend Dawn also just texted me randomly this afternoon just with the words ream for, for absolutely no reason and I right. love it Weird things this from Gust- <laughs> Gustav Holtner he says who is our most promising youngster at the club now that Cess has left I'm going to start with you Nick Steven Sessegnon Sammy I still think De La Torre is is absolutely class um, from seeing him last year at Millwall and I would like to see more of him personally. Farrell? Um, I've been hearing that Apoku's probably the one that... Um, he signed a new contract today, actually. Yeah, he did. And um, I've been hearing the very positive things about him and he could be one for the future, although... Well, considering he is a centre-back, and we actually do have a, quite a lot of centre-backs at the club at the moment. We might we not do. see him that much. Um, but he's one I've been hearing very good things about. But, you know, obviously Steven Sessegnon has, has got a bright future, considering, I mean, he is still... Does Rodak only... count? No, not really. I was going to say Rodak. That would have been my answer, probably. But he's probably a little bit old. There's also, um, there's also Cody Drame, yes. who yeah. is linked with Hoffenheim. And, you know, if, if, if German clubs are looking at him, you know, players like this. They're usually pretty good. They've done pretty well recently picking yeah. up English talent. Yeah. So Right, Lewis A ninety six. Who's our best free kick taker for the upcoming season? Farrell, do you want to start? Interesting. Oh, that, that is an interesting one because at the weekend, um, we saw quite a few different kickers. Um kickers. kickers. Um, set piece takers. Set piece takers. Well, Kenny took the direct free kick mm. in the second half. Wasn't like, too bad of an effort either. No, no. I mean, he, he wasn't miles off, but I I can't remember recall seeing Kenny take many. He was no, on corners. I've he never a, seen him on corners and before. And you know, some things never change. We just, we just seem to be not good at taking corners still. Uh, Barnsley Cavalero took quite a number of the free kicks and they seem to be pretty decent. But I'm I'm surprised he wasn't back on them this week. I think the answer to the question, though, is not Stefan Johansson. I know no. he scored a few free kicks, but in the past two games, he's just been awful with them. The answer is probably Anthony Knockart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Anthony Knockart scored, obviously, in preseason, although it wasn't actually the best free kick ever, given the keeper should have probably saved it. But he has taken free kicks and scored free kicks in the past. He seems to have the kind of desire and, and kind of application to take them. That would, be my, that would be my shout. It's interesting that they just haven't settled on one. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's because we're, also, none of them are that good. I think yeah. I think Mitro wants to take the odd one if it's to short range and it's and it and you can get power behind it. You do see Mitro lurking, but often not getting the Z- nod. Zamora when he started taking, yeah, uh, free Harry Kane kicks, takes like. the odd one as well, doesn't mm. he? Like, oh, I used yeah, to yeah. love Zamora taking free kicks. Yeah, he did not like that at all. He used to Ooh. smash and pen- him and penalties with his right foot, free kicks with his left, penalties with his right. He yeah, there's only two players for Fulham that have ever scored penalties with both feet. They are. Bobby Zamora and Danny Murphy. Nope. No. Uh... Sultan Gera. Nope. Is it recent? Nope. Not a recent thing. Mm. Premier League. Louis Saha. Oh, oh yeah. Dancer. Right. This one. There's a couple of questions like this. This one's from Ryan H. But there's also one from the Joe official photo. He says. Am I the only person that feels Bettinelli is only in the team because he's a Fulham boy? His distribution has been incredibly poor. Joe said, should Bettinelli be dropped? There's a lot of questions about Bettinelli, basically. His distribution at the weekend was abhorrent, um, for want of a better word, I think. And it really does bother me. But I'm also starting to consider that maybe no one's distribution is that good in the championship, which does (laughs) you know, add up a little bit. We don't know about Marek Roddick's distribution because we haven't seen him play with the first team. Well, we've seen him play for, for Rotherham and he yeah, obviously Rotherham played, played exactly, a long you know. ball football. So um, it's, it's kind of one of those. It's, you know, do, does Rodak need a chance? You know, Fabry's kicking about yeah. still. I no one knows what's it, going it on there. It seems harsh though to, you know, to drop Bettinelli after one goal conceded in two games. Saturday was particularly weird. I mean... He, he, didn't, he didn't have to face a shot on target. Yeah. There were no, the Blackburn had zero sense. shots on target. He still, I mean, he oh, still yeah. made that save in the second half, which actually turned out to be offside, and it was a beautiful save. And he had oh, absolutely yeah. no idea that it was offside either. I don't yeah. know. I just, I just think that I think you have to be really careful when dropping goalkeepers, and I just don't think he's done anything that bad so far to warrant dropping. I'd like to see Marek Rodek more than anyone. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. We, we've talked about it quite a lot, obviously, and uh, you know, distribution. Is, is an interesting one when it comes to a keeper because it's it's like desirable but not essential if we want to put a job description style on it. You know, it's like criticising Harry Arter because his shooting's not very good. It's not it's not the most 
you know, thing that we're going to look for in a goalkeeper. You know, I don't know. It's, it's kind of up there for me. Yeah, I, I, I understand, obviously, because, you know, we are a team that do like to pass it out back. And if we if there's no immediate pass on, then he's got to look for a better, you know, a better option. And if he can't do that, then... But, you Bettinelli's know, first and foremost, it's... I remember in seventeen eighteen when uh, he came back into the side, we were all worried at first. And then it got better as the season went on. He kind of found his touch. And actually, by the end, it was it was actually fine. His, his distribution. It is still bonkers seeing those goal kicks with the defenders in the box. It still looks weird and you feel like Fulham are going to get caught out from it. There was a couple of times on Saturday I mentioned earlier in the pod it was it was a little bit close. Okay, a couple for here. One of them is maybe more of a point than a question, but Philip, Phil DP Don, says, security in the Putney end, shocking. Sort it out mm-hmm. before Millwall. So, this is something that has kind of played on my mind a little bit in that we faced Millwall in midweek under the lights. Everyone had had a few beers in two weeks. Yeah. Week so a week and a what, half's time. What happens? Well, it just, there's no, there's no cordon in the back between home and away fans. It's, oh, it's a mixed concourse. Yeah. You know, Millwall have, have come down, and look, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to play up some sort of weird rivalry with Millwall here. <laughs> like, there isn't one. They were, they're very two very different teams with, with not really much, you know, between us in terms of what, there's no history or, or, or violence or any of those things. But I, I vividly recall we used to have that strip down the middle of the end and Millwall like ran through it one year. Like They tried to take the whole black cloth off the thing to try and... Is that going to be a problem in the concourse? I mean, maybe it's been like that for ages, but now it's proper Fulham fans in, in that Putney end. It's not half of, of people that don't really care, you know, some away fans. I mean, it is genuinely Fulham fans. Is there going to be issues? There will have been Fulham fans in there before when yeah, we, I mean, when we not, faced... Not when we faced to the same extent, not, is what not I'm saying. Not season ticket not holders. full of season ticket holders. But Millwall fans aren't looking at Fulham fans and going, that's a season ticket holder, lob an egg at him. Well, I mean, they, um, all I'm saying is... is it I know what you're saying. Because... You know, when there are games like, you know, when there are going to be games that are yeah, highly it's tense. Weird. It's, you know, we- it's weird. Be... I wouldn't be massively happy to be in the Putney end next Wednesday if I, if they're, unless Fulham do something in order to separate it because it's just going to be a little bit strange. Nick, you're in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a bit kind of surprising to see just about like 12 su- stewards like lined up just sitting on seats and not really and not really being much protection stuff but at the same time you know it's the Blackburn fans aren't exactly like Millwall or Leeds you know to an extent they have no beef with us like. exactly I mean it's, we're not like a Burnley or a Wigan to them Precisely. so they used to be beef back in the day well Blackburn but more on the pitch oh, yeah, yeah of course yeah, yeah. Well, it's Venky, so it's chicken, I suppose. Yeah. So I, I, I'd imagine the, you know, the club aren't stupid. They're going to, you know, have probably appropriate measures. They'll probably bring out the tarp or something like that and put it over some seats, um, because I, there are a lot more season ticket holders there than there were previously. So, but I what about the con- but the concourse? That's yeah, why yeah, I don't, I'm not worried the concourse, about the stands. Yeah. I think the stands will be absolutely fine. It's the concourse out the back that does concern mm. me slightly. There might, there, I'd assume there will be some segregation. I mean, there has to be. It was still a bit strange. It was still a bit strange, like going down at half time, just Fulham fans and Blackburn fans mixed together, chilling out. It's an it's an operational nightmare considering the back of that stand. There's there's no there's nowhere for anyone to go. There is literally just a you know underneath the stand and and that's it and it's not even particularly big behind behind there as well because it's quite a tall stand so okay. yeah good here luck we here good we luck, are Nick. good luck lads <laughs> uh, in last one i think dan williams sdz says anyone else think Ayite is better than cavalero no really no i mean i i really like it Ayite. i think he's i think he's good i, I don't think cavaliero had to, had his best game ever i, I don't think know. he had a particularly good game at all no exactly. his best game ever i just think he wasn't very good no it's true uh but what cavaliero is capable of i can't wait to see and i think he is you know a hundred percent cavaliero is much better than a hundred percent Ayite. i agree the only thing i would add or, or maybe you know put in defense of, of this is that Cavalero's defensive work rate is so much lower than I thought it was going to be. I, I assumed that Cavalero was going to get up and down the way that Knockart does, really help out his fullback, try and you know really put that in, and you just don't really see it. And I felt like Joe. I didn't think Joe Bryan had his best game ever at the weekend. He obviously set up the goal, but I thought he you know was a little bit shaky at parts. And I do think the part of that is because there is no one in front of him doing the hard yards. And I mm-hmm. think that 
you know, so much of our success has been built around winger fullback combinations in the mm-hmm. past. And you look at Target and Seth, for example, in the second half of that of that championship season where we went up as being like a, a really good example of two people that worked so hard for each other to get back and cover and all those things. And we can't don't really have that with yeah. Cavallero. And the question that I think maybe would is, is better posed is would someone like Bobby Reed, who obviously cares so much for Joe Bryan and they are actually friends at, and has an outstanding work rate, be better off in that position because he will do the hard yards. Yes, he, I mean, there is that to it, but I think Bobby Reed doesn't have the obvious abilities as a winger that, that Cavallero does. And I think you would need to see Joe Bryan bombing on a lot for forward a lot more um, in, in kind of the way that Fulham used to play with wingers, wingers and fullbacks. I think it can work. And then the beauty of, I think, of looking at Fulham's squads apart from the defence, there is so many options. There's so many ways. And Scott must be feeling really lucky and really bad that he's got all of these different attacking options and the ways he can play it. And Ayite is an unbelievable player to be bringing off the bench. But, I mean, Cavallero wasn't that effective on Saturday. But, again, a bit similar to Bessinelli. I would much rather be giving people at least half a dozen games before we start making judgments. I think that Cavallero... Oh, I think Cavallero is really useful. I'm not yeah, 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 yeah. I think Bobby Reid could play there. Lots of players can play in lots of different positions and that's that's the beauty that we have. I wouldn't mind seeing that option at certain times. After okay. watching Andre Scherler uh, screw around and be... <laughs> Do you a, like Andre Scherler? I don't know I if... You're, I heard you're scored a of the weekend. On the- I think he's a bigger fraud than Enron. So... <laughs> So, hey, yeah, I mean, that's it all. We just named the podcast Enron. <laughs> See what happens. Um, I mean, he scored at the weekend. Yeah, but in which league? The Russian Superliga. Oh, it's a, oh, yeah, he's playing for Spartak Moscow. Oh, he's found another really nice city to parade his Instagram around. Yeah, so, he has. Good for him. And also doing well on his debut and then uh, probably not so well when it comes to January with Burnley away. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, one of the best goals I've seen live. That is the only thing he did that game. The fact that I'm, it says a lot about his performance that that still didn't mask it. Regardless, I don't think Cavalera's work rate will be as bad as Andre's. It won't. Andre's. Full stop. It won't. <laughs> That's all good. Cool. Well, we just uh, need to name the podcast. Jack, what are you thinking? I'm going to take some inspiration from Marisa Cardoni here. Um, her one was Hail King Arthur, but I think the actual one is Arise King Arthur. Arise, King Arthur. Well, it was a tremendous performance. He was man of the match on the Fulhamish player ratings. He was, rightly so. Don't forget to get involved with those after each game. Uh, And Fulhamish Extra will be out uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. We'll be looking uh, ahead to the Huddersfield match, and I'm sure we'll be having a Huddersfield Town fan on the phone looking ahead to that Friday night match. Um, Farrell Monk, thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much. Jack Collins did excellently in your secretarial role despite a long absence I feel you know comfortable here it's just my natural position in, in many regards I feel like you know off the 10 playmaking is, is where really where I really where I see alright Nick McNee thank you very much <laughs> thank you uh, we will see you for Fulhamish Extra in the week take care bye bye see you dude.